All the compliant children are listening and finding their seats. Joe, you might as well find your way up here and just stand on the side. Joe's going to read for us in a minute. I just want to kind of preface this message, if I could have your attention. This is the kind of message that I love to preach. Some messages, mm, but then some messages are like, I just can't wait to get in there and share this and teach this. There's one caveat, one problem with a message like this. Most of the church is not that familiar with it. And unfortunately, sometimes most of the church is not that interested in it to our own hurt. It's a great message, at least the content is. Hopefully the presentation will be as well. But the content is awesome. It's extremely important, and I will probably be saying as we go through. But it's unfamiliar teaching to the church today. It wasn't always that way, but it is today. And so we have a hard time. It's, if you got the Saturday night text, I think it said something like, this is a message that oftentimes most believers are not even aware of and even fewer know how to apply it or are interested in applying it. If I could somehow have your attention for the next few minutes and listen and let the Holy Spirit speak what he wants to speak to us today. And don't just turn it away. And one of the reasons we'll turn it away is because we're so busy. And yet that's a clever scheme of the enemy to keep us so busy in our lives. Many of us probably need to do a good house cleaning. Take inventory of what's in our lives. I'm not talking about furniture and toys. Stuff that's in our lives that are, is not of God. And that's greatly hindering us, and that has to go. So by way of introduction and review, quickly, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 was a section that we just finished covering. We just completed this section. The primary focus of that section, spiritual blessings belonging to those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 3 was the foundational verse of the section. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, present tense, blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This theme of spiritual blessings in Christ is not only found, although it's primarily found in Ephesians, it's not only found in Ephesians, it's found throughout the entire New Testament. The sum, if you add all the spiritual blessings, privileges, favor that we have from God, the sum of that is often referred to as our position in Christ, who I am in Christ. I don't know why this is on me so strong. It hit me when we were playing that I need to emphasize this. It's not something that we're all that interested in. Unfortunately, in the church, we're more interested in this life and the things of this life, this world and the things of this world, than we are the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. I know it's just natural to us, 
because we're in the flesh, but it's not a good thing. It's greatly to our hurt. We're living for lesser things than we should be living for. We're experiencing lesser things than we should be experiencing, and the church is weak and impotent because of it, and we can't fight the enemy's schemes. That's what's going on in our nation today and in the world. That's why the enemy seems to so easily have his way. And where's the righteous voices to stand against it? None of that's in the notes, by the way. I gave you that for free. The sum of the spiritual blessings we have in Christ is referred to theologically as our position in Christ, who I am in Christ. When you got saved, you became much more than you know that you are. You are now in Christ, and we've talked a lot about what that means. Last week, we introduced a mini-series through the book of Ephesians. We introduced a mini-series within our series through the book of Ephesians. It was, it's a Who Am I in Christ mini-series, and last week's title was Friend of God. In this mini-series, we will look at a number of truths on the topic of who we are in Christ, our position in Christ, privileges we have, blessings we have, spiritual truths bestowed on those who have come to Christ, those who have made him Savior and Lord of their life. These are not physical blessings. In the earthly realm, food, shelter, clothing, material goods, etc., which we also receive in abundance from the Lord. Amen? Amen. These are spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm. They're different. They're distinct. They're two different categories. And the first non-Ephesians 1 spiritual blessing we covered was friend of God from John 15. In Christ... We have friend of God status. He calls us his friend. That was, of course, last week. We won't rehash that. Today, will you stand with me, please? Joe, you can come to the mic. Wait until everybody's ready and positioned. Read good and loud right into that green ball. And Joe's going to read just two verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Thanks, Joe. Maybe seated. Short and sweet. The title today is Direct Access. The message is kind of a follow-up to last week. Especially you'll see similarity in the conclusion and the application, although we're going to expand the application. Ephesians 2, 17 and 18. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. The actual theme of this passage is the reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles in Christ. Two groups that hated each other. But that's not our focus today. That is the primary theme of this passage. That's not our focus today. We'll probably cover that when we get to this passage in our study in Ephesians. But I want to pull something out. 
Before we move on, I have one or two comments that are related to the passage, but they're not related to the message we're going to preach. Are you with me? You interested? Anybody? True, true lasting racial and ethnic reconciliation is found only in Jesus Christ. And it is found in Jesus Christ. Notice it says, all of us, Jews and Gentiles, that includes all races, all ethnic groups in the human family, none excluded, are one in Christ. Now listen to me. There should be no racial, no ethnic tension in the church. We are one in Christ. It's a shame that there is in the world. There should not be in the church. So another comment related to the text, but not to today's message. Question for you. Put your thinking caps on. What significant doctrine of faith is mentioned in this passage here today? Can you see it? What significant doctrine of the evangelical Christian faith is, is found in this passage today, is mentioned in this passage today? Can you see it? What's that? I got to tell you a quick story on that. So I just sort of goofed my way through high school. But I was able to cut it and get good grades. But when I got to college, different story. They made you think. I got into this history class. Only there a couple days and we had our first test and he gave us three pages and one essay question. And he said, fill those three pages and turn them in at the end of class. And I was like, where's the true and false? Where's the multiplication? Where's the ABC all the above? Nope. There's a right answer. You don't get a multiple choice on this. Did you notice the reference to the Trinity? All of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ the Son has done for us. Father, Son, Christ, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, tucked away in this passage and in many passages in Scripture. And when people challenge the Trinity, it is good if we can somehow remember there's passages that support the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. Moving on, though, to our focus today. And I love this focus. And I hope that you will when you leave, too. When we were praying in the room, the prayer was that we would not just hear this word, but we would apply this word. And this is a word. It's not an ouch. It's not a sermon like that. This word is applicable. It just means we have to do it. It's Nike swoosh applicable. You need to hear it, and then you need to do it. There will be all kinds of forces that come against you and me applying this word. Because Satan does not want this word, this teaching, applied in the lives of believers. So let's start just with the two words, can come. They're emboldened. Can come basically means have access to. 
you can come, you can have access to. All of us can come. All of us can have access to the Father. And it doesn't matter if you got saved yesterday or if you've been saved 70 years. If you're in Christ, you have access to the Father, the same access. God is no respecter of persons. In Christ, God has made himself available to us, and we can come to him. That's our focus today. Having access to the Father. Access to God himself. We can't grasp the level of that privilege we've been given in Christ. We have access into the very presence of God in Christ. You saw it in the title, direct access. Let me just define access for us. It's having admission or admittance to. It's entrance into. It's right of entry. It's an approved way into. It's permission to approach. In a court trial, if the lawyers or whoever wants to talk to the judge, they can't just walk up to the judge They'll be out of, out of order. They have to receive what? Permission to approach the bench. Permission to approach, approach the bench? We have permission to approach the throne at all times. You don't even have to ask for it. If you're in Christ, it's already granted. And not just indiscriminate access. But in the sense of the word, it means to come close. Not to stand at a distance. Get inside the throne room right by the door with your back against the wall. No. It's come close. It's come right up to the throne. And you've heard me say it before. It's come actually right up onto the lap of your father, Abba, Daddy just like Presley's sitting on their laps over here, or was, I guess she's on the pew now, but she was sitting right on their lap. That's a relationship we can have with God in Christ. Now, especially for men, that does not compute. We don't think in those terms, but we need to. It's vital. It's imperative. It's all the way in, not just a foot inside the door, back against the wall. It's all the way in, all the way to the presence of God. This is like too good to be true. Please, I want to see you get excited about this. We say we're too busy to do that, but honestly, that's not the issue. That's a symptom of the issue. The issue is it's not in our hearts to do that. We don't love God enough to do that. What's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's not a time issue, it's a heart issue. You and I, we have permission. We have been given permission in Christ to approach the throne. James 4.8, come close to God. God will come close to you. In Christ, we can come. We can come close. 
We have access. We have admission to. We have the right of approach. We have permission to approach our Heavenly Father, God himself. Jesus made it possible. We who were once sinners and separated from God because of sin can now come and draw near to God because he's taken care of our sin in Christ. There should be an amen out there. There should be a shout. Jesus brought us near to God positionally. We're still living this life. When we covered that at the beginning of Ephesians, we said how hard that is to grasp, but we're living here and we're living there. We're in the earthly realm and we're in the spiritual realm. So we're living here, but Jesus brought us near to God when he died to ransom us from our sin. The price was paid. We'll mention that in a moment as we move through. The Holy Spirit, Jesus brought us near to God positionally. The Holy Spirit brings us near to God experientially. Jesus brought us near to God when we had our sins forgiven, when we accepted him. The Holy Spirit brings us near to God when we set our hearts to seek him. You will seek me and you will find me when? When you seek me with all of your heart. No seeking, no finding. Half-hearted seeking, half-hearted finding. Whole-hearted seeking, whole-hearted finding. If you're too busy to put this into application, my friend, you're too busy. If you're too busy to spend time with God, you're too busy. And it will be to our regret If you know the Lord, it won't keep you out of heaven. But if you know the Lord, there'll be major regrets at the judgment seat of Christ when we see what could have been. So, okay, we can come into his presence. Grant you that, Pastor. We saw it. We heard it. But it has to be like with great fear and trembling, right? Come into the presence of God, the creator of the universe, the king of the universe, ruler. We need to come in kind of frightened and intimidated, right? What? Who says yes, right? Who says no, wrong? Who's afraid to answer? That's what I thought. No. That's what the world, that's what the flesh, that's what the devil wants us to think. That may be the way's open, but man, I don't know if I want to. And that's not true. So let's look at that. Ephesians 3.12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. What do you think about that? Boldly and confidently into God's presence. Most of us are so aware of our own sin, our own failings, our own shortcomings that we sort of hide from God's presence. And you know that's a natural human fleshly reaction. What was the first move Adam and Eve made after they sinned? Somebody? They hid from God. And God went after them and pursued them and said, where are you guys? They hid and ran from God. We've been hiding and running from God ever since. God pursued them and found them, and God's been pursuing us ever since. 
boldly and confidently, the opposite of fear and trembling, the opposite of frightened and intimidated. That's an in-your-face to what the world, the flesh, and the devil tell us. Boldly, very interesting word. Pay attention for me. Very interesting word. It has to do actually with free speech. This word translated boldly has to do with speaking freely, freedom of speech. And the thought is, it fits here. First, that doesn't seem like it would, but it does. The thought is when we, be, when we come before him, we can speak openly and freely with him. Not muffled, not censored, not intimidated. It's the freedom to unburden your heart in his presence. To speak what's on your mind with him. Hey, he already knows you anyhow. You can't hide anything from him. You may as well be honest with him. When you come before God, man, be yourself. You don't have to be all pious and holy. Because you're not, anyhow. So why be then, right? Did you ever hear anybody with what we call a prayer language? I don't mean praying in the spirit. A prayer language? That's in life when you're raucous and you're, you're boisterous and you're loud. And then when you pray, you're like, oh, Heavenly Father. Then you're all meek and mild and humble. Be yourself when you pray. Be yourself when you come into God's presence. He knows you anyhow. And he created you as you are. You're not going to get more points for being all pious and holy when you come into his presence to pray. There's this glorious freedom in Christ if we could just somehow experience it. When you come before God, be yourself. Come boldly, not arrogantly. They're not, they're not synonyms. Boldly, honestly, be real. Then there's confidently, and the word means assurance. Come to God in assurance, fully assured. Not fearfully, but assured that we'll be accepted. We won't be asked to leave. We won't be escorted out. He's the one who invited us in. He's the one who made the way that we can come in. He's the one that's waiting for us much more. He's more willing for us to come in than we're willing to try and go in. And be assured that when we come into his presence, we will be loved. You will never experience love on this earth like you'll experience when you're sitting in his presence. And yes, you can experience it now. You don't have to wait to experience it then. But it is on you because you'll have to determine to do it. And it's awkward at first for anyone who's not has not practiced just sitting in the presence of the Lord and being with him, it's extremely awkward at first. Your mind is filled with all kinds of thoughts. This is ridiculous. I could be doing that. Yeah, don't you think I should? And Satan will help fill your mind with all kinds of thoughts. you got to power through. you got to power through that and sit there with him. That's foreign teaching to the church today in our busy lifestyles. we got our daily breads and our five-minute prayers on the way to work, and we think, we're good. And we're, that's better than nothing. But God's calling the church in these days deeper, into a deeper relationship with him. For those who will hear what the Spirit's saying to the church, those who will be willing to take that step, God is calling us deeper. And there's a reason. It's not just so that we go deeper in our relationship. He could take us home 
and then we'd have a deeper relationship. No, it's because we need to go deeper to accomplish the things he's going to be asking us to do in the days ahead. The things that he's going to be asking his church to do are things that are going to have to be done out of an intimate relationship with him. Not program ministry. There'll be some program ministry, but those in the program ministry need to have a deep, intimate relationship with him. That's where effective minist- from where effective ministry flows. And it's missing. It's greatly missing in the church. And we can see that we cannot effectively fight the enemy, although... There is a growing remnant and movement in the church that is understanding what the Holy Spirit's saying, and we're coming into our own. And you want to be a part of that. You don't want that wave to wash over and you be left behind. Are you with me? Is it making any sense? Richard, you with me? See, you shouldn't sit up front so far, man. You're like my first boop. If I got to call somebody out, it's often you. <laughs> Be assured when you come into his presence, you will be welcomed graciously, not begrudgingly. You come in confident. God will never, ever say, I don't really want to see you right now. Or why are you coming here? Never, ever, ever. That's what we think. That's what the world, the flesh, and the devil tells us. It's what he told Adam and Eve. You need to get away from this God now. God wouldn't let him. And he won't let you. He'll be after you. He'll pursue you. He'll pursue you until the day you die to keep taking you deeper and deeper in relationship with him. Now, this is all only possible because of Jesus. This is true only for those who are in Christ. This is a spiritual blessing bestowed on those who have come to Jesus. We have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He faced all the same testings or temptations we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us then come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. No fear, no intimidation, no trembling. Boldly and confidently. Because of Jesus, we have direct access to the throne of God. Into his very presence. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Jesus paved the way. You don't have to pave the way. It's already paved. You just have to go in on the merits of Jesus. He paved the way. Dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. That's a word there. It can't get any clearer than that. He made a new and life-giving, or some versions say new and living, a new and living way. Now, this side of Christ, through the blood of Jesus, those who are in Christ, we have a new and living way of direct access, rightful approach into the most holy place, into the very presence of God, and it will change your life. 
It says new and life-giving way. It could say a new and life-changing way. So it mentions a curtain there. To what is that referring? Anybody want to take a stab before I tell you? Say it good now, Steve, because you're right. Okay. So he said when Christ was crucified, the curtain in the temple was split. Matthew 27, 50 and 51. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. At the moment Jesus died, you may know this, but at the moment Jesus died, the redemption of mankind was accomplished. When he said, it is finished, he was referring to the redemption of mankind. Mankind had now been reconciled again to God after all those years from Genesis 3 to Matthew 27. At that very moment, the redemption of mankind was accomplished. At the, at the very moment, the redemption of mankind was accomplished the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. It wasn't a curtain like a piece of fabric. It was a big, hard, uh, heavy material that you would almost have to saw to get through. It's not like a curtain hanging in our living rooms that could easily be. No, this took some effort to tear the curtain. This is the curtain from the Old Testament that in a very real way, and also in a very representative way, kept people from direct access into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies, was that's the thought that God's full presence dwelt behind that curtain in the Holy of Holies. Once a year, the high priest could go in there, but it was so dangerous, you know the story, they tie a rope around his ankle, because if he didn't get confessed up before he went in there to offer the sacrifice, boom, in that Holy of Holies, sin can't stand. They would drag him out. They'd have to drag him out if he died. Only one person, the high priest of all of Israel, one time a year was allowed into the Holy of Holies. It's open to you 24-7. And me. It's now open 24-7. Jesus paved the way. They ripped the curtain. And now we can free and direct access to God the Father at any time. In Christ, it's not on you, so don't think, oh, I could never do that. It has nothing to do really with you. It's all because of him. And all he asks you to do is put your trust in him. And then it's open to you. <laughs> I had this off, honestly. I don't know why it came on. I guess my phone's getting all excited, too. With <laughs> Siri's hearing what we're saying, and she's like, yes, amen. Preach it, Pastor. So because of Jesus' death, that curtain that kept people out of the Holy of Holies is no longer valid. It's no longer in place, physically or spiritually. It was torn in two. It illustrates now that those who have come to Jesus have direct access, rightful and freedom of approach to the very presence of God. There is no curtain. There's no more any curtain. There is now no more any obstacle in the way. And just an interesting note. You probably already got this somewhere along your line. It was torn from top to bottom, top down, not bottom up. Why? 
Scripture is very clear to say, it didn't just say the, the, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two, period. Made very certain to add from top to bottom. Yep. The answer is to ensure that we realize, we understand, we are aware this was of God, not of man. Only God could make this happen. Man could not. Only God could remove the curtain. Man could not. Only God could make a way for sinful man to be restored to fellowship with God. Man could not. It was torn from the top down, and God was evidencing, I have done this, and you now have free access in my son to me. Holy Spirit, will you somehow make this real to us? Will you somehow make these deep spiritual truths, their spiritual blessings we have, will you make them real to us? Maybe, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, maybe bypass our natural minds and drive right into our spirits and make this a part of us, your word here, a part of us today. Something that we can't resist. Salvation is of the Lord. That's what it's representing. Redemption was his idea. It was his plan. It originated in his heart. He reached down to sinful man, to you. He pursued you. You eventually yielded, but he pursued you all of your life to redeem you from your sinful birth and ways and bring you in a relationship with him. We did not reach up to him. There are none who are good. There are none who understood. There are none who sought him. Yeah, but I did. I prayed a sinner's prayer. That's because he brought you to that place. You would have never done that if he wouldn't have been drawing you. No one can come to the Father except through me, said Jesus. No one can come to me unless my Father draws him. No human flesh will ever decide. I think I'm going to pursue Jesus. Never happened. But he's pursuing all of us all the time. Even those hard-to-reach people that we've been praying for and we think they don't care and they might not and we think nothing's happening, that's not true. God is out to get them in a good way. Today's main point, in Christ we have direct access to the throne of God into the very presence of God. Conclusion and application, very similar to last week. And it relates to spending time with God, a very foreign concept to us today. It wasn't always, but in the church today, it's a very foreign concept. Spending time with God. It seems to me this is an issue that God is addressing with his church. Not just us, but with his church. It's become so neglected, he's trying to restore it to the church. This matter of spending time with God, it's something it seems only a few believers have even really heard, and even fewer still practice. It's a teaching that has been lost to the church in these days, spending time with him, getting to know him. Yet it's so vitally important, it's so essential to Christian living, and kingdom service. Effective ministry flows out of time spent with God. You spend time with God and he births ideas for ministry and he gives direction. 
Otherwise, we're trying to do it out of our human reasoning. And you know what Scripture says about that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own human reasoning. Human reasoning can never, ever ascertain God's plan. God gives his plan to us when we spend time with him, and it comes through the Holy Spirit to our spirit. And our spirit informs our brain, our mind, this is what God wants us to do, and then we carry it out. After Genesis 3, we're no longer capable of ascertaining God's will with our natural mind. Don't lean into your own natural mind. Spend time with God and hear from him. What do you think, Brianna? Heavy stuff? By the way, it was clearly, clearly, clearly a habit of Jesus. If you read in our Bible reading in Mark, you couldn't escape how often Jesus pulled himself away to spend time with God, to spend time with his Father. And he was much more busy than you are. But he made sure. The more busy he was, the more time he spent with his Father. Just one quick illustration. When he knew he was going to have to choose 12 disciples the next day, it says he spent all night that night with his father, praying and seeking him. And when he came down off of that mountain, he had the names of the 12 people he was going to pick. But he didn't just think it up. He spent time with God the Father, and God the Father gave him the information. You say, but he was God. Yes, he was. But see, everything he did, he did as a man under the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could then say to us, now you can do this. If he did it as God and then told us to do it, well, that's a farce. We're not God. So he said, I'll set aside my divinity. I will operate under the power of the Holy Spirit just like you can. The challenge today, it's not an ouch, but it's a challenge. What will you do with this information that you've heard? You're not here by coincidence. A lot of vacations. This is a big vacation time. We're missing a number of people. It will be on podcast, though. But God handpicked you and brought you in here and said, I want to tell you about this. You're that special. He wants you to know this. And if you're visiting with us, it's no coincidence you're here today. God wants you to know this truth. Got it, Nick? You thought you chose to come? God drew you here. So the challenge is, now what will you do with this information? Has your heart been stirred? May I remind us, Jesus died a gruesome, horrible death to gain this blessing for us. Are we going to ignore it? Squander it? Neglect it? Take it for granted? So great a privilege? So great a blessing? Bought with such a price by our Lord Jesus Christ for us? Or... Will we actively take advantage of this new and living way, this direct access, this freedom of approach into God's very presence? Will we draw near to the Lord? Will we spend time with him? And that, if there's an ounce, that's where it is because we have to determine to do it. We can determine to do it or we can allow ourselves to be so busy we can't do it. And again, it's not the busyness isn't the issue. It's the heart issue. We all could think of something rather quickly that we could remove from our lives and spend more time with God, without question. If you are here today, you're not sure what we're talking about, 
You're not sure if you are even in Christ. What does that mean? Please see me. Or please some, see someone else here who would know that answer. Because that's the starting place. You need to come into Christ. You need to receive him as your Savior. And we can talk to you about that. Or maybe your heart here is stirred. You know you know Christ. You know you're in Christ. But you're unsure, where do you even start with something like this? This is kind of foreign teaching and you're not alone. You don't hear this very much anymore. Unless you're reading books from the church of days past where this was preached, you're not hearing it anymore much. So you're wondering, how do you even enter in? How do you even spend time with God? Please see me. Or someone in here who you know knows. We can help you with that. We can help you with where to start, what it's like. We can just give you some practical tips even. Okay? Okay. Okay. Pauline? Yep. You didn't know what you were getting yourself into, did you? Pauline's going to come and pray. Will you guys stand? Sonny? Whatever you've chosen. (laughs) I said last week, sometimes during the message, Sonny gets these ideas and he chooses a new song. Then we got to scramble to find the paperwork and try and play it. Wait till everybody's settled and then you pray. Good and loud into the mic. Father, we just thank you for, as Hub said, drawing us here today, Father, to hear this message, this word that you have given us. And Father, we just, my heart, Father, is praying that you just open the eyes of our hearts, Father, to now receive and understand that it's us that can come to you father so um just allow us father to feel your presence in our lives father allow us to make time father to draw closer to you that nothing father is too big or too small or too embarrassing father to bring to you so father as we sang earlier just Help us to lay our burdens down at the door, Father, before we leave here this morning and just walk out these doors differently than we came in, as we say all the time. Just, we just ask for your presence, Father, in our lives and just thank you, Father, for what you have done for us and the blood that you have shed for us. That if someone in here, Father, doesn't know you or doesn't know how to do that, Father, I pray that you pull harder on their hearts, Father, and just allow them to reach out to somebody, Father, to just say, how can I get that? How can I, how can I be that way? How can I draw closer to you? Father, that's why we're here. That is our purpose here, Father. So I pray that you just, yes, Father, open our hearts, open our eyes to, to you, Father, and what you want to do and the blessings that you can just continue to pour upon us here on earth that we're not missing out on something, Father, when we take the time to draw ourselves closer to you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this message again today and the light that you have shown us last week from, Father, the testimonies that we heard last week. We are the light of this world, Father. So we just pray that you just continue to draw us closer to you and speak boldly, Father, of your word, not just in here, Father, but at our jobs and out on the streets and with our families, at our tables when we eat. Your word says that, Father. So thank you for this word today, Father, and just um, just allow us to enter into your presence yet again as we worship together today. Um, Father, just in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.